and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan sitting across from me, digitally at least. He's a writer at A to Z Sports, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if you want to Listen to that regularly. Go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Because if you do subscribe, you won't miss the shows when we drop them on Mondays. Also, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports YouTube channel. And you can see the show if you do want to do that. But more importantly, in terms of YouTube, on Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern time, when we do the show live, you can come hang out. You can literally participate in the show. You can be a part of this show by commenting and, of course, you know, hitting the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell. But also, comment. We read the comments. That's a whole section of the show right there. So go to YouTube and do that. At Charlie underscore Bruce, at Zach TNT, at ADZ Sports, Facebook.com slash ADZ Sports Nashville, and ADZ Sports.com for the stuff that Zach and I write on the Internet. Interesting week in Tennessee sports, Zach. There's, is there ever one that's not that, I guess? Yeah, even in uh, February when things are slow, we managed to get some very interesting weeks where you think things are going to calm down and then all of a sudden you lose to Kentucky again. And <laughs> it's never fun. It, it almost wasn't the losing to Kentucky because that felt like an uphill battle. Um but the way they lost, I mean, getting down by 20, just getting steamrolled off the floor initially, making a little comeback, but realistically, they were never really in it. That was tough to take. Then you go with baseball in the desert, and uh, those first two games, pretty ugly. They don't, they don't get blown out or anything, but the team doesn't look as good as you would have hoped that they would have with as much hype as they had coming in. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. I will talk about whether Zach and I think there's anything of concern there. Basketball, obviously, we're going to talk about if there's anything of concern there because it's a little later in the season for those boys compared to baseball. Um, but then football got a, uh, a recruiting commitment. We're going to talk about that. But then also Josh Heupel went on uh, a radio show for our one of our partners, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, uh, Josh Heupel went on with uh, Ramon Kalen Will in the morning there. And we're going to talk about something that he had to say about uh, Joe Milton, Nico Ialmaliava, and that whole situation. So we'll discuss all of that today on the show. But yeah, man, it is, you just, especially with this basketball team right now, you just can't have a whole week where things just go right, it seems. It's just a total just up, down, up, down, over here, over there. So obviously, I was at that Alabama game and watched that, and then just the whiplash of watching that Kentucky game. It just, I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's getting hard to take. I would put it that way. Uh, it's wearing on me a bit, but we'll discuss it all on today's show. But before we get into it, I got to thank all of our amazing sponsors. You can see them right down there at the bottom of the page. Superbook Sports. There's no better place to wager on the big game this weekend than Superbook Sports. Oh, <laughs> I still didn't change this from last week. Shows getting, you how a head well. start on that, getting a head start, you know. Yeah, it's, well, exactly. For the, the big game, of course, being uh, what, t- Tennessee and uh, who, who do they play on Texas Tuesday? A&M. Texas A&M. Yeah, that's yeah. what it means. <laughs> Go to superbook.com and download the app today. Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey from Longstill Distillery. Make your own luck just like Tennessee football's fast-paced Rattle and Snap offense with Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey and Omaha Steaks. 
Get $30 off your order of perfectly aged steaks, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts with promo code BALLS. That is V-O-L-S, Omaha Steaks. And finally, Farm Bureau Health Plans for better health, better coverage, and better rates. Go to FBHP.com slash A-T-O-Z. Farm Bureau Health Plans. We'll start off by talking about this, Zach. I I couldn't decide exactly what order to go in because it was just a ton of stuff. So we're going to talk about baseball. Then we're going to talk about football. We'll sandwich football in between. Um baseball and basketball so we'll go that way baseball football then basketball to finish off the show but baseball everybody was so excited about this season oh my gosh three all-americans obviously we did it on this show three all-american pitchers uh and then a couple of all-american fielders and you know everything just looked really really sweet for this baseball team they go out and uh, they lay egg in their first game against Arizona. Then they go and they look like they're probably going to beat Grand Canyon. And they blow that uh, in front of a, a pretty rowdy home crowd, an impressive crowd by Grand Canyon. I will 100% give them credit for that. Um, and then uh, they go and they whip, who was it, UC San Diego or whoever that last game was against a, a team that they should have beaten 7-0. to zero, And they did. Uh, but... You saw this, Zach. Uh, I saw some people on Twitter <laughs> just already throw it in the towel on the baseball team. And uh, I think that's an interesting choice. Uh, I don't think I will be doing that. But your thoughts on the slow start for Tennessee baseball? Yeah, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, baseball's a, a funny sport. I've said it before. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But I, I think there's probably a lot of people that this is kind of their first foray into, into baseball or at least kind of college baseball being kind of locked in on it because Tennessee baseball just wasn't that popular and didn't have the fan support that it does right now. I mean, it's just February baseball. You can't expect teams to be at their absolute best in February. You're, you haven't really had a ton of time to be able to get good work in outside on the field. You're doing a lot of indoor stuff. Uh, this is a lot of new faces with this team. They're still filling each other out. You're building that chemistry. It's it's still Tennessee. You know, we still saw some of that attitude, kind of like when Christian Moore was calling for timeout, you know, very aggressively and wasn't granted time and, and was chirping there with the umpires a little bit. Saw some of that Tennessee attitude that we saw last season, but uh, it, it's just one of those things where it's going to take some time for these new faces to kind of mold together. Plus, they didn't have two key players Griffin Merritt being out the first two games with serving the suspension. That's the Cincinnati transfer. Uh was in relation to something that happened in his last game with the Bearcats. And then Maui Yahuna, that's a whole other situation where he hasn't been cleared yet by the NCAA because of self-reported violation. Who knows when that'll get cleared up, hopefully soon. So there's two guys that you thought you were going to – well, they kind of knew about the Merritt situation, but you thought you are going to have Yahuna. You don't have him. You got to kind of scramble. Chase Dolander wasn't – like as crisp as you would think on Friday night, but he settled down and and that wasn't the reason they lost. Obviously he only gave up a couple of runs, you know, the bats didn't come to life. You give up a lead on, on Saturday night. You didn't have great outfield play at times. Base running was frustrating. You know, there in the the eighth inning on Saturday night, you're trying to go, you know, it's a full count, two outs. You don't take off from first on the pitch. You know, that that's not good at all. That that's a very basic thing you're supposed to do. And then you, you take the turn there to go first to third with two outs. You get thrown out by a mile at third. Anybody that's a big baseball fan knows you never make the third out at third. You're already in scoring position. You you don't you know the only way you're going to score from third at that point is on a wild pitch. You know you're not going to get anything on a sack fly. So there's just some real basic mistakes that they made that I think will get cleaned up. I mean I, I think that's pretty fair. 
and the bats came to life on Sunday. You know, these short seven runs, shut out UC San Diego. You saw signs of what this team can and will be. So I don't think there's any reason to freak out at all. They lost their first game of the year last year, went on a, you know, went on a run. Who knows what will happen this year, but, I mean, that's just how it goes. A few things go your way Saturday night. They're two and one, and maybe the freak out isn't quite as severe, but I don't yeah. see any reason to be upset. Well, thanks to looks like we got Nugs, Jeff, Eric in the comments here. If you're watching, go ahead and you can you can comment anything you want. Like I said earlier, we we like to read them. Um, I <laughs> I'll start with this one. I was going for Eric's comment, but Jeff says, "Thank y'all for not taking the day off like Austin and Zach and all the other sports shows I watch I watch to get me through work." Happy to do it. I know Austin and Zach, they are, they're very lazy. They don't really do that much work um, at all. Austin listens to this show and I know he'll appreciate me saying that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't blame them for taking the day off. Let me say that they work an incredible amount and they deserve a day off every now and again. But uh, to Eric's point, he, he has some similar comments to yourself. He said, I'm more upset with the baseball team, need some serious batting practice. And what was with the spread out outfield in game one? I, I they mean, were like playing no doubles with uh, it was a weird yeah isn't it either yeah so I, I i had some more general observations uh i think first and foremost you saw a grand canyon in that game everybody at least in, unless tennessee just falls off a cliff to start the season or something and it's just clear they're not that good and i don't think that's going to happen with the pitching this team has um Everybody's going to be gunning for you this year. Every away stadium is going to be absolutely wild. And they're going to give you every single bit that they have every game out. And I think right now you have a team that had a ton of turnover and is getting treated as if they are last year's team. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that that's overly concerning or anything like that, but it's just the reality of the situation. And they're going to have to take, it's going to take some time to get used to that. Uh, on on top of that, yeah. <laughs> it is, it, it's absurd. It's to the point where every time Tennessee even slightly argues a call, there's a litany of people oh. that are like, this, these Vols, this is terrible. Tony Vitello's a jerk and all this stuff. It's like, and have you not watched be. college baseball before? I mean, this is not uncommon. Yeah, the, I mean, me the the umps are gunning for this team. They they want to make sure that things stay in line and it and it goes. Oh, I mean, in my opinion, it goes over the line where they it becomes biased against Tennessee and it's ridiculous. Like that, you know, trying to call time and the ref just or the ref the ump just refuses. Um, so there's there's that. But as far as everything goes, I also saw this team is gonna have a great bullpen. They have an excellent set of pitchers. Uh, those obviously the three starters, Beam, Dolander, Burns. They're going to be really solid all year. You're you're going to go up and down. You're going to have slumps. You're going to have weird nights off. None of them really had that, generally speaking, in those games. Tennessee just couldn't produce offense. Um, yeah, and then I mean also seven it, seven runs in three games. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah. And then uh, in Andrew Lindsay, I, I think is going to be solid. Halverson is definitely going to be solid. I really like what I saw from him. Um, and so it's just, I mean, it's a great, great lineup. Uh, offensively, you got five months to figure it out. That's about it. <laughs> you know, like that's the pitching is gonna probably carry you like your hitting did last season. Um, and I, I mean, I honestly, obviously this is a prediction we're three games in who knows exactly how it'll pan out, but I, I think the pitching will be better than last year, this season. 
And then you just have to figure out the hitting. Now, getting a Huna back is a huge part of that. He was some, he had some wild batting percentage at Kansas where he was just re, just an excellent hitter. Um, so, I mean, that's a huge loss in terms of fielding. Um, he also that, I mean, he's your starting shortstop. He's a guy that is a few, I mean, I think, is he, is he a single year guy, a grad? I, I don't totally he know. Sh- the- yeah, he should be. Okay. So, I mean, he's, he's gone he's going to go play in the pros. I mean, that's the type of guy that you're missing right now. And it's just going to take time for that offense to gel is what it is. And that's really just my, I just am <laughs> not going to take that much away from the first three games of this season and and panic because it's baseball's weird and you got to figure it out and I, and I think they will because you know you just you look back at last season we kind of talked about it in the weeks leading up with this baseball team the team that won the national championship Tennessee stomped a mud hole right through them at the beginning of the season Ole Miss swept them at Ole Miss and beat them by like a bunch like really buried them at Ole Miss if, if folks remember that and that team went on to win a national championship. So I, I'm not going to just put a ton of stock in the first three games, although that's, it's a lot to figure out. The base running is concerning. They, they really, when they're chasing like that, they did that last year when they're chasing like that, they kind of panic and that's not great. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I, w- I don't know exactly what happened on that play. I referenced earlier in the eighth on Saturday. I don't know if the third base coach, surely he's not telling the hopefully. runner to go to third. But at the same time, if you're, he wasn't even two second base yet when the ball was fielded in right field. I mean, it was a it was a rope hit to right field. You know, that's not a ball that unless you've got a great jump, you're even thinking about trying to stretch that to third base. So that's just a mental error. You're right. It probably maybe them pressing a little bit, trying to make something happen, which I understand. Sometimes you have to be aggressive and you you run into some outs that way. You got to take the good with the bad. It's part of the risk, but that was a risk that you you just can't take in that situation, especially when you're down. Uh, maybe it's a little different if you're trying to add on to a lead, but you know, you, you don't just replace Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, all those guys, and, and expect to just come back in the first weekend and pick right up you know, where you left off in, in 2022. So I think they'll figure it out. They got plenty of talent, plenty of time to figure it out, too. You know, if this is late March and you're seeing the same issues, you know, maybe then it's time to be like a little concerned, like, okay, well, what's the deal here? Are they going to be able to live up to the expectations? But after the first weekend, I just, I, cannot imagine why you would be freaking out over this. I mean, nobody, they, they dropped one spot in the rankings. I mean, that shows you how the outside world outside of the Tennessee bubble kind of views that weekend. So I don't, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. It's just, I think people kind of try to equate it to football and even basketball to some extent where it's like a loss is just devastating. And that's just not the case in baseball. And got a little spoiled last year with winning all those series and, and, and a lot of the sweeps and expecting that to always be the case. Like that's just not going to happen. Eric follows up his comment and says, we're obviously spoiled from the last couple of years, but regardless, we should not be losing to Arizona and grand Canyon. Our recruiting players are better tenfold and it didn't show. I mean, that's true, but it's still like you have those games in baseball. Like you can't, you can't, well, they should have won the grand Canyon game. They had that game. Yes, they should have. But you can't just go out there and say, we're going to score 10 runs tonight. Like, that's just not how it goes in baseball. It can be the best lineup of hitters, and there's still, even the best hitter, there's a 70% chance they're going to get out every single at bat. Like, you just have nights like that. It was was just that type of weekend for the bats until Sunday when you saw them kind of wake up. 
Yeah, you got uh, you got a little while to get it figured out, even before conference play. I, and realistically, that's really when you need to get it figured out. By I mean, that SEC play is going to be really tough. Yeah, it's going to be a you know you go you go down to Baton Rouge and, and play at LSU, uh, yeah. not that far into the season. That's going to be a huge series, and that'll really show you where you're at. And and they got a lot of uh, they got a lot of fluff games coming up where they can build some confidence, but figure out the lineups and things like that. I if they now if they lose a bunch of those thinkers. Then we'll talk. <laughs> you know, you, you might if you start seeing a trend there, sure, uh, and we can go from there. But uh, another piece with baseball before we we move on to football and recruiting uh, was Malyahuna, obviously not playing. We mentioned it there, and the reason that he did not play is that it it seems like from what I read into the situation, Tennessee baseball was surprised by the fact that he was not granted NCAA eligibility to play and had to sit out that entire first weekend. And it was to the point where, I mean, in terms of how convinced they were that he was going to play, I don't know the whole story there, but his entire family came from Hawaii, uh, which is like a Lord knows what eight, nine hour flight from Hawaii to Arizona, probably really came a long way, showed up and their boy couldn't play baseball. Um, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about our first grade sponsor, Omaha Steaks. Spring is in the air, and that can only mean one thing. Spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale. And it starts Wednesday, February 22nd. So make sure that you mark your calendar and you can get 50% off site-wide. Grab all your favorites like perfectly aged steaks, perfectly aged and tender steaks, ocean fresh seafood, juicy burgers, air chilled chicken, decadent desserts. Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use their promo code VALS at checkout, you'll get an additional $30 off your order. Let me throw up uh, the, the banner here. There it is. Promo code VALS. It's a perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code VALS at checkout to take advantage of this deal. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. And you're not going uh, or you're going to want to hurry because 50% off site wide is only happening for a limited time. Again, it starts Wednesday, February 22nd. So don't miss your chance to save. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code VOLS, V-O-L-S at checkout to get $30 off. Minimum order may be required. That is Omaha Steaks promo code VOLS. Now, the segment that we are uh, contracted with Omaha to do is called Who's Cooking? Brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha! And who is cooking right now? This is this is a negative who's cooking, I guess. Who's who's cooking up a freaking uh, diabolical plan to screw Tennessee over is the NCAA. Again, Maui Ahuna's family gets all the way from Hawaii to Arizona to watch their family member play, and he is stonewalled by the NCAA. I don't, there are a few things like, like Tennessee sports can screw up and it makes me mad. It makes me sad. It throws me off. I don't know if anything angers me more than this absolute utter heap of BS that we always get with the stupid NCAA, a, a organization that I pray for the end of that I hope Sooner rather than later, we see the complete dissolution of what a garbage organization that does nothing of benefit and that should be thrown into the ocean. 
that Maui Ahuna's family flew over to get to Arizona and they couldn't watch their kid play baseball. It's so annoying. I hate this so much. They say they're supposed we're helping student athletes. No, it's for the student athletes. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because you don't create their eligibility, you stupid morons. I hate this, Zach. I'm sorry. I could rant all day about this. No, I mean, I think it's totally fair. The NCAA clearly does not really care about student athletes or what's best for them because no. this is almost like it feels like vindictive in a way for for whatever reason they might have. You're punishing a kid. You're punishing his family. Uh, as Eric mentioned in the comments, airfare is not cheap. And Tennessee was under the impression that he was going to play. They've known uh, Ben McKee appeared on on 104.5 The Zone from Ben McKee of 24-7 Sports, who's covered Tennessee baseball since since before it was trendy. And he, uh, you know, he's, he mentioned that there was something that happened with a flight, I believe. Maybe Tennessee flew Maui Ahuna out to, to Knoxville or to wherever, something along those lines. Tennessee self-reported the violation. They've known about it internally for a while. They didn't feel like that it was going to prevent him from playing. They thought it would be resolved in plenty of time with with weeks to spare before the season started. And it you know just keeps getting pushed back and getting pushed back. And then the weekend comes up and it's not resolved. He doesn't get to play. They don't get to see their their family member play. Wasted trip. You know he's disappointed. They're disappointed. Frustrated. And what is, I mean, the incident, what what takes so long to get these eligibility issues cleared up? I mean, if Tennessee deals with this in a sport, in one of the major sports, every single year. I mean, we've seen it with basketball. We've seen it with football with various players. Now with baseball, like it's absurd. There's nothing that prevents them from saying this checks out, let him play. It's not going to be a big deal. You know, we'll figure all this out, especially in the NIL era now. I mean, I know there's rules that still have to be followed, so everything's fair and on the up and up, you know, whatever. It's frustrating to see because the NCAA could easily prevent this from happening. And if they were really for the student athlete, they would. I know there's situations where eligibility is an issue and there are things that have happened. You know, each case is unique in its own way. But come on, like, what are we doing? What what are we doing at this point with all the stuff that has gone on that knowingly has gone on in different sports over the years and you're keeping a kid from playing because of an issue like this? It just, it's silly. It, it's disappointing. Uh, I feel bad for him and for his family. And, and, and that's just outside of the Tennessee side of things. Like, who cares about the actual games? It, like you said, it's, it's baseball. You will make up for it down the road. The, this weekend's not going to be a setback. It's not going to keep you from going to Omaha or anything like that. So it's just, I can't believe we're still dealing with these types of issues. It really is unbelievable that this is still happening. The organization is so irrelevant that they have to just grasp on to these few certain things. I mean, Nugs and Dester, they both say it here in the comments. The SEC needs to secede from the NCAA. Absolutely. They serve no purpose. They have no real you know, benefit that they bring at all in any way, especially to leagues like the SEC. I, I think you can make an argument for sports, non-revenue producing sports. Um, they they can help in some ways there, but as far as you know, sports that really produce TV revenue and, and that are extremely popular, I mean, the, the NCAA has nothing to offer at all. They know that. Um, and so they do stupid things like this. But you look across the board, at LSU, the reason they're so highly ranked this season is that they had a bunch of transfers come in um, like Tennessee did, 
and and you and all of those guys played this weekend. They were fine. They got their eligibility. And you think LSU's not doing the same exact stuff that Tennessee is doing? Are you kidding me? Uh, and so it's arbitrary. It's ridiculous. It's moronic. And uh, you know this has just happened a bunch of times now because it happened with Brew McCoy. It happened with Euros Plavsic. It happened. You know this is not the first go around with this. Cade Mays. Cade Mays had some. Cade Mays. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that one. I mean, this this protracted going back and forth with the NCAA, oh, maybe it's USC's fault, like with Brew McCoy, where everybody was yelling at USC and all that stuff. Who knows the real details there? Um, I, I don't care if it's Kansas's fault, if it's the NCAA's fault. Whatever idiot is out there holding this kid back from playing the sport that is his future, and he's going to be an MLB player, uh, cut it out, get out of the way, stop it. Nobody cares about you. And it's... I, like just it's an embarrassment. The easy answer, and before we, you know, I know we don't get hung up on this too much longer, but it should be like in a pill process. When a player is suspended in a pro sport, you appeal it, you keep playing a- until the decision is made. Like you can't, like Malia cannot go back and get those games back this week. Exactly. Your family can't get that time back. Like that's gone. It's lost. Can't get their money back for the plane tickets. Yeah. You, but, but you let him play. And then, you know, they, they, whatever. Like, I don't think it's probably a big deal at all. He's going to be cleared eventually. But you let him play, and if something comes up later, uh, then, then you deal with it. Okay, he has to sit out a weekend or whatever. Then you then you can handle it. It gives Tennessee more time to prepare. NCAA is not going to do that, though, because there's no reason to not let him play. So this is their way of punishing him and Tennessee when they know it's all going to be on the up and up and it's going to be cleared and everything will be okay. This is their way of, of, of proactively punishing him before – before that happens and it's just it, it's a shame there, there's no checks and balances with with the ncaa and that's until there is it's going to keep on happening yeah makes me sick and you know it, it kind of makes you wonder with how many times it's happened now just in the last few years you know what does is it the jeremy pruitt stuff why does the ncaa have it out for tennessee what is this like are we still are is malia huna serving the penance for jeremy pruitt right which now? would be ridiculous because tennessee i mean they threw, I mean, they, they were so upfront with every single thing from the moment they fired Pruitt. It was all pretty much out there. They took responsibility. They took blame. They worked with the NCAA. They pretty much paid for the investigation. So the NCAA doesn't even have to pay for that dime. I mean, the lawyer, all that stuff, the, the NCAA was present for all of that. I mean, Tennessee basically paid for all of their work to be done for them. I mean, what, what can you have against Tennessee at this point when it comes to that? And 60 grand you know, too, is what we're talking about. Jeremy Pruitt. Is that, is that enough to sink a program or to, to have a target on your back from the NCAA? I don't know. I would maybe certainly hope not, but I don't put it past the vacuous individuals that lead that place up over in Indianapolis. I, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I could rant all this all day, but I just screw those guys. The NCAA, like I said, I, I pray for the day that that organization ends and that, college sports are finally free of them uh but such is life here we are so there is that with baseball uh now (laughs) this felt timely uh I, i don't think this was on purpose at all ultimately but tennessee has that rough weekend baseball's not doing so hot basketball obviously uh has the terrible game against kentucky and then football Swings in to save the day. They get uh, a nice commit. Marcus Gorey Jr. And uh, and we're going to talk about that commitment 
in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about our next great sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. And this time, I, I got to make sure first that I get the banner up there. There we go. Now you can see it the whole time while I talk. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been helping Tennesseans for over 10... <laughs> I'm this is I'm having a great um <laughs> maybe we should right. take them today off. Yeah, no kidding. Farm Bureau Health Plans been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Nailed it. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some have stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fphb.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. Thank you, thank you, thank you to them for sponsoring the show. And uh, now let's talk quickly about this new recruit for Tennessee football. Marcus Gorey Jr. is from the state of Tennessee, Bradley County, I believe. I think that's sort of in between Knoxville and Chattanooga. Uh, he is a three-star player who I think is listed on most sites as an athlete, but is projected to be a defensive back. Cornerback was what I saw primarily. Um, and, and that's great. Any defensive pickup that Tennessee makes right now is great. But I think the, the main thing that I saw that is intriguing is that uh, multiple services that I read up on this kid think that he will, by the time that uh, Tennessee's recruiting class is kind of signed, sealed, and delivered, he will end up being higher than a three-star, and he'll he'll sort of improve his stock. So what do you think about this, Zach? Yeah, I think this is a really underrated pickup. I know we say that a lot. I mean, every three-star we kind of call underrated, right? I mean, that's kind of what we do, uh, what everybody does. But I really do think this is an underrated pickup. He's got a decent offer list, uh, kind of alluded to. He'll probably be rated a little bit higher. Like programs like Auburn, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ole Miss have, have been after him as well and offered him. But the thing that I was really excited about, one, he's a top 10 player in the state. I feel like top 10 players in the state, you need to get most of those guys. Even, you know, that they just, you don't want to go see them excel somewhere else. That's really hard to swallow when that happens. But the biggest thing that excited me, the 24-7 sports scouting report on this kid mentioned that they think he has the athleticism and has shown the ability to cover guys in the slot, to kind of cover uh, some of those tight ends, some of you know guys that, that go over the middle. I mean, that's been a problem for Tennessee defensively is stopping those slants, anything over the middle. That's been a real weakness for Tennessee. So if this guy, he kind of has that as a strength, man, that, that would be huge. That's exactly what Tennessee needs in the secondary. Obviously, they have you know secondary in general needs to play better at a higher level than it did this past season. But it really feels like this is the type of player that Tennessee's been missing. Obviously, you got to hope that he lives up to potential, gets developed the right way at Tennessee, but I think he has the potential to be a player that, that really makes a difference for them on the defensive side of the ball in an area where they've really struggled and has caused them to lose a couple of games that maybe they shouldn't have over the last two years, especially in 2021. Yeah, I kind of love a three-star defensive back. because Cam Tennessee Sutton. Is, Cam Sutton. Exactly. Tennessee has had some really nice uh, some really nice examples of guys like this over over the years where they come in, and, and you can kind of find with guys like that that are a little underrated they sort of have a chip on their shoulder they come in, they work really hard uh, and they step up and, and they, they can end up, you know, staying a full four years being team leaders. Um, and, and so I love that. Obviously he's 2024. You're not going to see him for a couple of years, but uh, you had with Hypo so far, you've had a set of guys 
that they have recruited early, that they've gotten in on early and gotten commits from that have ended up turning into much more highly rated recruits. The one from this last class you really look at is Nathan Laycock, wide receiver. They got in really early with him, and he ended up projecting ultimately <laughs> kind of the funniest thing that probably happened in that recruiting class. Tennessee fans so badly wanted Carnell Tate, and then the guy that they ended up actually getting, Nathan Laycock, finished ranked higher in the player rankings uh, on 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 three than uh, than Carnell Tate did. So those things can happen. Like that, well, you're trying to get Big Ten Jeff riled up, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? He's he's here, uh, and and I got to take jabs at him every time I can. But uh, I I just I like pickups like this under the radar. Hopefully, a scrappy dude who who can be uh, like I said, play with a chip on his shoulder. I, I like guys like that. And sure, you want to start getting those five stars and things like that. But ultimately, I think where Tennessee is at currently, where you're battling against Alabama, you're battling against Georgia. I mean, they're you know two of the closest schools to you, and that's your direct competition as far as recruiting goes. Auburn, Clemson, everybody else that's right there with you. Um, I think one of your best bets right now is finding these under-the-radar guys where you're kind of beating them to the punch and going, we think this guy will be a four-star just like the guys that are going to Georgia and Alabama. Uh, and he's just not showing it yet. And so, Hey, I, I hope that is what happens. And uh, also it's, it's a nice in-state recruit too. We didn't even talk about that, uh, that part of it, but I, I like, I like that piece too, that he's coming from just right down the road. Yeah. I think you, you're really seeing that this staff trusts their evaluations. And so far, like you mentioned with, with, with uh, the receiver, there's been a few players that they've got or got in early on the process end up being rated a little bit higher than you'd expect so that, that shows you they have good evaluation skills because trust me yeah these guys are looking at the recruiting rankings i know they say they don't they're lying they want to see where these guys are ranked they want to see where they're ranked how everybody views them i mean that's part of the the job of coaching you're not ever going to admit it but they look at it but that's not what they go and that's not what they're offering guys based off of and, you know it's their own evaluations it's their own film work they're not trusting somebody else's work and so far it appears that they've you know they've nailed most of these yeah, they really have. So hopefully that continues. Not a whole lot else to say about it. The The football team in general is kind of in this limbo right now in between the, the recruiting period or, or sort of that open recruiting period, so to speak, is closed. And uh, you haven't reached spring practice yet, but spring practice right around the corner coming right up. Uh, well, I got a month but, away. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know the exact dates yet. I don't think that they've released them. Uh, but I, I would imagine it's going to be probably the last two weeks of, uh, March leading into April when the, the spring game is April 15th, I believe. Okay. So maybe the last week of March and depends on how spring break falls. Sometimes they'll start spring practice true. a little early because they know they're going to take that week for spring break off. So I would guess maybe like mid March, it might start and that gives you a month to get all the practices in. If, if you have spring break interrupting it as well. Either way, it is closer than you might think, uh, and obviously we will talk about that when it comes. But uh, another thing that we wanted to talk about as far as football goes before we finish the show with a little basketball talk, if we if we have to. Um, <laughs> before we do that, you uh, – well, we I guess I was going to say you listened to, but we actually both listened to uh, Josh Heupel this morning on 104.5 The Zone in nashville and he had some interesting comments that he made about uh nico iamaliava and joe milton and we're going to talk about that 
in uh, in just one second. But first, got to tell you about uh, another great sponsor. This time, it is Superbook Sports. Once again, I'm I'm just off coordinating all this stuff. Let's hear here it is. There's the banner. Now I can read. Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head to head. With the best odds makers in Las Vegas, no fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets that you will find anywhere. Download the Superbook Sports app now or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is Superbook Sports. Another shout out to our great sponsors to keep this show a going. Now, uh, Hypo was on 104.5 The Zone this morning with Ramon, Kayla, and Will, uh, two two time Big Orange podcast veteran Ramon Foster uh, was uh, was talking to Coach Hype this morning, and uh, and you pulled out uh, an interesting quote and wrote about it on a to z Zach, where he was talking about Joe Milton, Nico Iamaliava. What uh, what was the gist of that, Zach? He uh he talked uh he was asked how the relationship between them's been you know how how that dynamic has been and he pointed out that that Joe Milton has been helping Nico out a lot he's been you know kind of showing him what to do on the field as well as off the field how to be a pro in the building and that's that's huge I think for Nico because you can come into a young quarterback room maybe and you don't learn how to prepare the right way and Nico's an incredibly mature kid but he's never been a college quarterback before like he doesn't know the process he knows it from a high school level he doesn't know it from a collegiate level so to have a guy like joe milton who's been at michigan he's now entering his third year at tennessee which is hard to believe that he will he will have been at tennessee three years uh by the time it's all said and done had been in hypo system you know two four years he knows everything he knows how to help this kid hit the ground running and it sounds like he's been more than willing to do that and most importantly, like that's the culture in that room. And that's kind of what Hypo talked about during that interview is that's the culture that he wants. Like it's not just happenstance that Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton got along so well. And and that wasn't just like, oh man, that's great to see. Like that's what Hypo wants. Like he wants healthy competition. And that's hard to create, but he managed to do it quickly. And he managed to do it in year one with a very awkward situation between Milton and or what could have been an awkward situation between Milton and Hooker. So that's all by design, having that culture and having that kind of relationship where it really is a team family type mindset. I mean, you can say you want that. Uh, I think every program probably says they want that, but very few are actually able to create it and cultivate it. And Josh Heupel has been able to because he's, he's made it a focus. But I've noticed every time he gets asked about Nico, he's very, you know, Heupel's very, you know, he praises Nico. He's very complimentary of him. You can tell he's really excited. But he makes sure not to forget about Joe Milton. Every single interview, he'll talk about Nico and he'll say, but also, you know, don't forget about Joe Milton. You know, this guy has a lot of growth left in him, too. He's not his best football's ahead of him. He makes sure that Joe Milton's not getting overlooked just because Nico's there, which could easily happen. And that could create some animosity, too. So part of the reason that culture has been so strong in the quarterback room is because of the way Josh Heupel has publicly handled the situation between Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, between other quarterbacks, and the way that he talks about them to the media and probably to coaches and staff and conversations that we don't see. So that I mean it's just another aspect of this program that's really strong. It's a really great sign for the future. Obviously there might be some hiccups down the road. You know, who knows? But that's also 
an example of how Hypel tries to bring the right people into the program. It's why we have not seen him go crazy with transfer additions and just adding anybody because not everybody's a fit. And there might be a guy that Tennessee passes on that ends up having a great year somewhere else. Maybe maybe they pass on a guy and that guy goes to Ole Miss and has a tremendous year and you're like, well, why, why did Tennessee pass on him? Well, maybe he wouldn't have been a good fit at Tennessee. Maybe he would have came to Tennessee and that whole position room would have fell apart. Like you never know how that would turn out. And, and that's not to give Hypo an excuse for for missing on a guy because he will miss on some guys that maybe Tennessee should have got. Like that's going to happen. It probably already has happened. But for the most part, I think that's the design there. You want to bring people in that contribute to the culture, not that you have to hope fit into it. And that's obviously really important to him and and a big reason why the program's having success. I mean, it's a it's yeah. a unique place right now, Tennessee. It's not just the offense. It's the way the whole building's ran. It's the way that he makes promotions going from analyst to offensive coordinator eventually. It, it's all those things working together, and it's it, it's been fun to see. It's, it's a welcome change compared to what we have seen the last 10 years. I'm absolutely fascinated by the fact that in a time where hopping around to different schools has become so commonplace – for players that Josh Heupel has found a way to keep a guy like Joe Milton with a cannon of an arm. I mean, he think about how many schools at, you know, power five and non-power five in, in D one football that he would probably start out right now. And he sat on the bench all last year behind a, you know, a potential Heisman candidate, but still sat on the bench and just got better. And got more ingrained in the culture, became even more of a leader, became even more vocal. I mean, I, you you go back during the season, like one of the striking things that I remember seeing from Joe Milton was that after the Alabama game, obviously they released that video of the, the we don't give a damn about the whole state of Alabama. Well, who was the guy leading that chant? It was Joe Milton. It wasn't. It, Hinden Hooker went out there and won that football game. And the guy leading the chant in the locker room was Joe Milton. Like there's fascinating stuff like that. That is incredible. And in the time of college football that we're living in currently that he has engendered that kind of culture. And I think he's obviously comes with having the right kids in the program like Joe Milton, you know, just not every single kid is going to do that, but seeing that outside looking in and then hearing Hypel talk about how Joe Milton is taking Nico under his wing that it just warms my heart. I it's absolutely perfect. And I, I really, really, really hope that this season, uh, does not end up becoming something unfortunate like Milton gets hurt and Nico is pressed into service suddenly and and just you know the sort of the the lights are too big and he has a bad first impression playing football. I want him to get his feet set because I think this the kid is really, really special. And everybody who's ever watched him play in person says that same thing. And and I think I, I wanted him to get in get in and learn and really take in from Joe Milton, that mentality on top of the good mentality that seems like Nico already has. Cause I, man, I think it's a great formula. I think, I think what they're building in that, that quarterback room and with this Tennessee offense is just honestly like insanely good. Ah, uh, you know, obviously you were the number one offense in America this past season that you don't have to say much more than that, but, but to continue it into the future with a guy who, who has been, been there for you and been reliable for you this whole time, despite the fact that he could have transferred elsewhere. Like it just, 
Ah, I, I love it so much. And it says a ton about Josh Heupel. It says a ton about Joe Milton. And it, and it says uh, some about Nico too. And I'm, man, I'm excited about it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, Nico's been more than willing to, to. I mean, he wants to compete. He wants to start. He's a competitor, of course. You know, but he's also ready, happy to play whatever role he's supposed to play. And he's been pretty vocal about that back when he was at the uh, Polynesian Bowl after the uh, Orange Bowl uh, last month. I think in a perfect world, the plan for Tennessee, obviously you want Joe Milton to go out there and start 15 games, right? You want to go you want to go to the college football playoff with, with Joe Milton and gets the championship game, and he starts every single game. And within that, you kind of hope it's a setup like last season, minus the hooker injury, where you you have big leads in games, and you can get Nico in there late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. I mean, we saw times last year where Tennessee, they went, I mean, the uh, UT Martin game, they went all the way to their fourth-string quarterback because they were able to get so many guys in. You hope that's the situation this season. You get out to a big lead, you go beat Virginia, and you're up, you know, 40 points in the late in the third quarter, and you can put Nico in and let him play a few series. You can put Gaston Moore in or the walk-on that they signed uh, last month. And that's that's the great scenario. And some people might say that they want Nico to redshirt. I, I don't think that should even be the mindset at all because here's the thing. If Nico is as advertised, after 2025, he'll be going to the NFL, regardless of whether or not he redshirted this year or not. Yep. I mean, it'd be just like Johnny Manziel, who went after a redshirt sophomore year, I believe. Uh, Jameis Winston, I think, was a redshirt sophomore when he left for the NFL. It'd be that si- same situation. So redshirt sophomore, junior, either way, you hope you hope he goes after 2025, uh, unless he just has like this strong, you know, strong desire to be like Peyton Manning. I mean, maybe the... I know Nico is a huge San Francisco 49ers fan, so maybe uh, one of the 49ers big rivals, maybe the Rams or the Seahawks or the Raiders or somebody's, you know, got the number one pick that season and he doesn't want to go play for them and decides he wants to come back, uh, kind of like Andrew Luck did that, that one year. Uh, but uh, outside of something like that happening, you hope that he goes to the NFL after 2025. So I'd be just fine with seeing him play in 10, 11 games this year in garbage time. 100%. Uh, I, I just want him to get that, that perfect setup because I, I just think he's a special enough kid that if you can really bring, bring him up the right way through the system, you, you could really develop. I mean, on, I, I, like, it's a guy that's the best quarterback in America. I, I think hope like the, the top end of his ability is that at some point during his career at Tennessee, he will be considered the best quarterback in America in college football. So mm-hmm they it's it's delicate but also uh i think they got the right guys in the building hopefully to do that because you know i i just think back obviously i went to i went to the university of tennessee for too damn long frankly uh (laughs) they have quite a bit of my money over there um but the you know that first week when you show up that first month when you're there going to college like it's daunting and you're especially for a kid is moving you know, I was from Knoxville and it was daunting. Uh, just not, you know, you're not living in your parents' house and he's living a thousand miles away from his parents' house in California. And and to have a guy like Joe Milton come and, and kind of be that that leading figure that can show him the way, I think it's amazing. So hopefully that continues and it's as good of a situation as it sounds like from the outside. And and we can uh we can see the best case scenario unfold for that quarterback room. Cause I think they really, 
Oh, if everything, like, please, everyone pray for Joe Milton's health, pray for Joe Milton's development, because if he can stay healthy and he can win you a bunch of football games, the next guy up could be the, could be the guy. Joe Milton could be the guy, frankly, to finally take Tennessee to the promised land. But I think Nico, at least it looks like his skill set is, is right there with the best of America. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad to have a, uh, like Peyton Manning, T Martin, Casey Tolson situation with Hooker, (laughs) Hooker, Milton and Nico. Yeah, I, I will take that every day of the week. <laughs> a national championship and near national championships and years mm-hmm. after. Um, but otherwise, with football, anything else, Zach, before we finish with a little basketball talk? No, I mean, uh, thankfully, it's been pretty quiet. Hopefully, it, it stays that way until spring practice. Don't need any words about injuries or, or news about you know kids getting in trouble, suspensions, anything like that. Hopefully, everything just stays calm, stay quiet, you know, stays quiet, kind of make you think Tennessee football's on the back burner. Meanwhile, I mean, we've seen the hype videos. Their strength and conditioning program is in full force right now, and they're they're getting after it. So they're putting in the work. Just can't do any football stuff right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about uh, spring ball coming right up. We will talk about it in just a few short weeks. And now let's talk about Tennessee basketball. I wanted so badly to be talking about a win in Rupp Arena, and not only did they not win in Rupp Arena, they went and they laid a big old fat egg up there in Lexington, got down by 20 in the first half, and ugh. But we'll talk about it right after I tell you about our final sponsor for the show, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. This time I got it loaded up. There it is. The graphic right at the bottom of the screen. That's Rattle and Snap Whiskey. You can see the bottle there. Winter is almost over, but it's still pretty chilly here in Knoxville. Nothing goes better with a cold night in the great state of Tennessee than whiskey. And more specifically, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Log Still Distillery has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap Whiskey. And I got the eight-year right here if you want to see it. Uh, I've had both. I have both in this house currently. Uh, and they are both awesome, awesome whiskey. So you should go get your hands on them. You can find it in stores across the state of Tennessee. Rattle and Snap is also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. So run and do not walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for these remaining cold winter nights. And follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram. At Rattle and Snap Whiskey on the old Insta. And uh, that is Rattle and Snap. Now, just like with Omaha Steaks and the uh, the Who's Cooking segment, we have the Rattle and Snap Tennessee stat. And just like with the Omaha Steaks Who's Cooking segment that was a little negative, we're going to go negative again because, look, the game that happened most <laughs> recently for Tennessee basketball didn't go so hot. This team, I, I mean, where, where do you even want to start stats-wise? Here. Let's let's do for this for this Tennessee stat. I'll I'll even I'll change my my lane of attack here. I will go with a positive before we talk about the negatives in this game. Jemai Meshack goes up there to Lexington, grabs eight rebounds, and drops in sixteen points. He's one of the only reasons that you didn't lose this game by forty. Um, Vescovi did the the same uh, just without the rebounds. Had three assists and seventeen points. But I love that effort from Jemai Meshack. And he reminds me, I had to go back 
and and look up because I, I was thinking of a certain player that I thought Jemai Meshek reminded me of. And it was, uh, I couldn't, the name like wasn't coming, he wasn't coming, so I had to look it up. Armani Moore. He reminds me of Armani Moore, who he, in some down years for Tennessee basketball, he was kind of the dog that Tennessee had. Like he just really, he played hard, he really wanted the win, just kind of brought it every single night, brought in energy that uh, that some of the other guys on the team didn't. And I think Jamai has that. And I think that being forced into action with Triple J being out um, and, and uh, Phillips being out also, it's kind of gotten gotten him the chance to show off what he's got. And I like his com- his competitive spirit. And like like I said, I mean, he's one of the only reasons that you didn't get blown out of the building completely in Lexington. So uh, there's a rattle and snap Tennessee stat there. But otherwise, I mean, that first half was just absolute and utter garbage. And it's just insane because we go from the Alabama game last week and you go, okay, we can, we can build some momentum off of that. Cause not only did you beat Alabama defensively, I mean, you just, you wore them down to a nub in that game, but you scored the basketball some against a really good defense with Alabama. And then you go and you look and you go, okay, Kentucky has one of the worst offenses. I, I, I want to say, according to Kim Paul, maybe the worst offense in the SEC. They Coming into that game, what did I tell you? I texted you and Austin about it during that game. The 101st mm-hmm. de- defensive efficiency in America going into that game or something? Just trash. And Tennessee scored 19 points in the first half. 19. Had a bunch of open shots, bricked them all. Just it was abysmal in every way. And I, I just, man, it is... I don't want to say that I'm looking forward to the end of this season. But I'm looking forward to the end of the regular season because it is just, oh, like, God. I Obviously, I want them to go into the tournament and, and really make noise. And they have the ability to do that. At the top end of their ability, again, they're a Final Four team. They beat Alabama. They beat Texas. They beat Kansas. We know. We've watched it. But at the bottom end, ugh, like, just bleh, blow, just kill me. It was so bad. Did you, yeah. did you watch this game, Zach? I, th- I think it really comes down to just the inconsistency with, with shooting. Uh, it's so – I mean, you're not going to win many games when you shoot 22% from the three-point – you know, what, six of 27. I mean, you miss 21 three-pointers. And then you shoot 28% from the free-throw line. I mean, you leave 10 points there, free free points there uh, just at the line. That I mean, that's huge. But until they start hitting these three-pointers, like consistently hitting threes – you're going to have games like this because you can't, I mean, you can't win when you're shooting that poorly. Does, should Zakai Ziegler stop shooting threes at this point? Because he's, he's 5% worse than he was last year. He's shooting 30% this season. He was what two for nine against Kentucky. It seems like that's a similar stat line. Almost every single game from him. Does he need to stop and taking these shots? Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no, because what really needs to happen, I, I think he can be good enough where he can he can shoot you in and out of games. That's absolutely true. But he needs to stop fouling because he he commits some really dumb fouls sometimes. And he's young. You know, I think he'll get better about that. Same with same with Adu, same with Meshack. I mean, all these guys are, are still, I think, aren't they all sophomores? All yeah, those but guys? I mean, it's still, I mean, it's the... Almost the end of your sophomore year, so you're not far from being That's a junior true. at this point. That's true. 
But do that. And I think that's probably a more important improvement. But I mean, the thing that I look at on offense, obviously making threes, you're going to be hot and cold and they're cold way more than they're hot. And that's unfortunate. But I mean, the free throws and the gimmies are brutal. Like when you, you really have a good offensive rebounder in Tobey Awaka. He, he has actually, I think in that game, I want to say he only had offensive rebounds or something like that. He had uh, four offensive rebounds and two defensive rebounds out of his six rebounds. He had more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. And on a couple of those, he had bunnies going back up and he missed them. He had finished with zero points. He missed them. And you just go, the layups. <laughs> it's a layup. What are you doing? Which game was that? That they missed so many layups and uh, this one at Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the Van- the Vandy game they missed a bunch. Oh, the, the first Kentucky the game. The first Kentucky game yeah. they missed a bunch. I mean, just ugh. like it. It is the as uh, is it John Rossi that says the epi- the epitome of brutality. Just ridiculous. Watching them freaking throw that ball over the rim. Just here, I'm I'm passing it to the other block. Here, maybe you can make it. Since I can't. I don't I don't know what that is. Like missing threes is not crazy. Tennessee should just not be a they shouldn't predicate their offense on threes and they do it more than they should. In my personal opinion, that's on Rick Barnes. But uh the missing the stuff at the block is just oh, makes me sick watching some of that. So there's that. And and you do have to think like hopefully with the amount of time that you probably have left with a bunch of these guys like Zigo, like Adu, like Awaka, um in time, they will get better. I mean, I think there is a real element to this team that is still pretty young. As much as they do have these senior leaders, and one of them is obviously hurt and not playing right now, but you do have these senior leaders. Adu, sophomore. Awaka, uh, freshman. Um, Ziegler, sophomore. Like, they're still young. It's still guys that are going to get developed, and they're almost all guys that are all going to stay four years. So that's good if you can get them to where they need to go. And Rick has been pretty good at player development over the years. But I think they're still, they're just stuck in that rut where they're they're not good enough to be consistent. And here's here's what I fear. And I'll, I'll finish with the question and I'll, I'll let you ruminate on it while I kind of give my answer to this. But I'll, I'll ask you in a second, Zach, what do you think Tennessee will do in this postseason? Now that we're almost there, they've kind of shown you who they are. And to me, I just see this team with how inconsistent they are. They can't put two good games back-to-back. That's how you lose in March. When you can't play two good games back-to-back, well, March takes five good games back-to-back. That's how you win a national championship. Heck, even just the SEC tournament, if you get the double bye, which they may or may not, depending on how these final four games go, but if you get the double bye, that's still three good games you have to put back-to-back-to-back in a row and they did that last year and they won the sec championship but has this team put three good games together in a row i don't think so when was when was that (laughs) against i guess three good games in a row against non-snoozer teams and so you look at this postseason and you know you you can have the people that are oh it's still regular season ball it's all about the tournament but what about this team says they're going to do anything in the tournament they're going to play good defense and they're not going to be able to shoot the basketball and you know what that ends with? A loss. A lot of the time. I mean, I I foresee, I think they could make, they could even make the SEC championship game. In fact, I honestly think they they might do that. If they don't, if they don't have to play Kentucky or Alabama before the championship game, they probably will. But uh, you know, outside of that, when you get to the actual tournament, 
Sweet 16 at best probably is my guess at the moment. Because you just can't win with that kind of inconsistency. You, you, you just cannot. Maybe they dig deep and they find it within themselves. And maybe maybe Scoby goes on an absolute tear. Maybe, you know, Kamwa goes on an absolute tear. Maybe something like that. J, Triple J comes back and he's on an absolute bender. I mean, who knows? You never know. North Carolina last year. We brought him up, up a bunch this season. Had a terrible uh, regular season and made it to the national championship game. That does happen. But at this point, they're so inconsistent in such an extreme way that all I really see is a pretty quick postseason exit, unfortunately, at the moment. But I'll 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 throw it to you. What do you what do you think happens, Zach? I, I feel like if they they're probably going to end up like a five seed, maybe at this point. I guess four. Yeah, it, it depends on how these last four games really go, and then what happens in the SEC tournament. So you're somewhere in that range. It's really hard to predict a a UNC type run for any team in that everything has to go just right. I do think there are positives that you can take from this last month, some silver linings in the fact that this team's had to deal with a lot of different scenarios that maybe that experience will help them in March, not having, you know, Josiah Jordan James for this stretch, not having Phillips, Meshack having to step up, playing really good defensively against Alabama, showing the offense against Kentucky. I think these are all things that, you know, it's going to help you when you get to March. And that's why, you know, a loss here and there, like I've said many times, the Florida loss didn't really concern me because those happen in, in basketball all the time. Even the two freak losses to Vanderbilt and Missouri weren't just like season-ending type losses because, yeah, those games shouldn't have been that close. But, again, it's college basketball. It's a weird year. We've said it a bunch. I, I, I do think some of the things they've gone through, those close games, the, the adversity will help them in March. But, I, I have to see the consistency to predict them or, you know, to go to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. And I'm like you. I just – I haven't seen that. I think Sweet 16 right now, like that would be my ceiling – not really my ceiling for the team because I think they can be a Final Four team when everything goes right. But that would be what my gut feeling is like Sweet 16, which would be – I mean, anytime you get to the Sweet 16, it is an accomplishment. But to me, I feel like this team – I would think the Elite Eight. Like, if you get to the Elite Eight, yeah, it's going to be disappointing to not get to the Final Four after you were in the top five for much of the season. But I feel like Elite Eight, you can be like, that's a that's a pretty solid season. Like, you can't sure. – any, anything can happen. You get to the Elite Eight, anything can happen. All it takes is one bad bounce, one bad stretch of basketball for a team going an 8-0 run, you know, whatever. Anything can happen at that point. I would feel pretty – like, yeah, it's a – disappointing in the season that way but it's a successful season you you made it further than you have made it previously under Barnes. so that would be great i just i can't see it really happening not 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 like based on what we've seen over the last month i i think i listened to just a little bit of uh tony basilio's show after that loss to kentucky i just like you know fans call in and they just vent their frustrations i i just like to kind of get the feel for the fan base i guess see where folks heads are at after a game like that, that directly followed beating the number one team in America. What a weird week, but um, somebody made an interesting point that I, I think is a good one. This team has been defined by playing up to opponents and playing down. They play the best teams in America and they beat almost all of them <laughs> that they played. Uh, as far as those huge games go, the only real elite team they played and lost to was at Arizona which is an extremely tough place to win. Um, and if if I'm thinking correctly, in terms of like legitimate top 10 teams that they played this season, they beat them all except for Arizona. And uh, then they play horribly down 
to all of their other competition. So maybe in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, if they can make the the SEC tournament championship game, maybe they can win that. Uh, if they get past the mediocre teams and make the championship game, maybe they can play up and, and they actually, you know, they beat Alabama or they beat whoever that would be that they would face. Or in the NCAA tournament, maybe they make it to the Sweet 16 and and then they can, you know, play up to to the better competition and and go from there. But that again, that that was somebody on Basilio's show that said that, and I I don't know who to give the credit to there. I think it might have been a caller, somebody on the show. But regardless, I thought it was a great point. And also, I I want to have more of a silver lining than that, but that's about all I got. Yeah, this team when it plays great is a Final Four team. How often does it play great though? Not in back to back games. When does it do that? You get with Tyreek Key. He drops, what, 27 or whatever on Missouri. Turns right around, and I believe he was, how many against Kentucky did he score? I don't think he hit a three at all. He had a single point against Kentucky. I mean, come on, folks. Like, the just the definition of inconsistency, and that is how you lose a march. It just is what it is. Like, I, I just, I cannot say... The the thing that I would be more surprised by would be a great run more than not in, in this season. Unfortunately, that just is the way that this team is playing. Now I, I'll I'll throw this one to you. Final four games of the season, it it does it has a bearing on your seating in the SEC tournament and it has a bearing on the NCAA tournament seating too. How do you think Tennessee finishes out? I believe it's at Texas AM tomorrow. Super tough game. I would say I'm expecting them to lose that one. Um but it would be a really great win if they could win it. Uh, and then Arkansas and South Carolina at home. I think that's it's the other way around. I think South Carolina and then Arkansas at home, mm-hmm. and they finish. They finish with Bruce at at Auburn. Do you think that they two two and two? Can they three and one? Maybe. Well, I mean, the last four game stretch, I was like, if they go four and zero, oh, they have a shot to be number one in the nation. And then they went one and three, and they beat the team that I didn't think they would beat, in Alabama. <laughs> so I don't know what I mean. I really don't know. Like I'm, I don't know what to expect Tuesday night against Texas A and M. My gut says, yeah, they're probably going to lose. Texas A and M has the same record as them. They don't have the wins that Tennessee has. That's why they're only ranked, I think, twenty fifth now at this new poll. But it's at Texas A and M. Going to be a tough place to play. I think they probably lose that game, but with this Tennessee team, they might come out and win by 15. You just, you don't know. Like that's the way they've, they've gone this season with with their games. I think they probably go two and two. I think they lose both road games and they beat South Carolina and beat Arkansas. That would be, I think that's the easiest prediction to make. I think a lot of people would probably make that same prediction. Yeah, I do think that's the most likely thing. Three and one is a stretch and I do not think they go four and zero. I absolutely do not think that they're able to do that. They're just, I mean, they're, I think they're 500 on the road so far this season, like four and four, maybe on the road this season. Um, and like, that's, that's almost the story of everything, except they've even, they played down to bad teams, even at home. So none of these are great. Like Texas A&M's ranked, but they're not, you know, one of the top five, 10 teams in the country. These are all teams that Tennessee can kind of play down to, which to your point, doesn't really bode well for their their chances of, of sweeping these last four games. The story of this entire season is wrapped up in the fact that you have the exact same record as Texas A&M, and they are 
ahead of you in the SEC standings, but behind you in the top 25. So Tennessee has just won a bunch of huge games and lost a bunch of stupid games. And it's, I mean, I think I said it last week. This is one of the weirdest resumes I've ever seen a Tennessee basketball team have. It's one of the weirdest resumes I've seen, like, any team ever Yeah, they could, they could lose out. Theoretically, they could lose sure. out and go 20 and 12 and still probably be like a 7. Yeah, seed, they're... they're they are locked in the, the turn. I mean, you yeah. beat you beat number one, number four, and like number six. <laughs> That's you're pretty much locked in the tournament at this point. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is absolutely confounding and so frustrating. And I want to love them, and I just, I just can't. They're just so beyond frustrating to watch. Even in wins, they're beyond frustrating to watch because they'll. Like, I mean, like that Auburn game, it's painful. Yeah, they won. That was painful. And so I, that just is my current feeling. We'll see what happens. I don't mean to be overly negative about everything. Well, there, is, just, like, there, there is one silver lining that you kind of mentioned without mentioning is the fact that most of these guys are going to be back and be upperclassmen yeah. next season. And I've always thought, especially over the last, 15 to 20 years that that's really how you can win a championship in college basketball is when you're able to put a team together that has upperclassmen that have stayed around that are really good players, but not quite NBA players. And then maybe you can add a, a dynamic freshman or you have somebody like maybe Julian Phillips, if, if he comes back, can step up and play a bigger role and be more of a go-to guy. Like To me, that's the formula for winning a championship. So I think Tennessee even going into next season, there's like a lot to be excited about as far as, hey, maybe that's what it'll take for this team to really put it together because then you will have all that experience that you mentioned. I hope so. Uh, but those guys aren't going to be at that developed point in two weeks. So <laughs> that is uh, that is the situation Tennessee finds itself in. Again, I don't mean to be overly negative. I mean, you just you only have four games left and that's – Tournament's about to start. There's no more, oh, it's just the regular season. They'll get it figured out by the end. They haven't. They haven't gotten it figured out. In fact, I think in some areas they've gotten worse. Now, you got two major players out right now, and maybe that's part of it, but I, oh, it hurts. It hurts my soul because at the end of the day, I am, I'm really a basketball guy almost more than anything, but uh, there we go. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, commenting, hitting that like button, rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, anything else for the folks at home, Zach, before we uh, we bounce out of here? No, um, we got baseball now, midweek baseball. I'm excited about that. I think Tennessee plays Alabama A&M. Somebody yep. random on Tuesday and then Dayton this weekend. So it should be a fun week of baseball. Hopefully they uh, can start putting this together. I mean, I'm still excited about Tennessee baseball despite this weekend, like we talked about earlier. But uh, hopefully they, they can kind of get back to that fun style of baseball that has everybody going crazy. Uh, Lindsey Nelson this weekend. I hope so, too. Get out there. Support the boys. It's going to be – I don't think the weather's going to be too atrocious. It's just been really rainy. It's gross outside. But uh could be decent baseball watching weather if you're willing to put on a coat. Um. Again, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, thank you for watching, listening, wherever you may be doing it. Rate, review, subscribe, bloody, bloody, blah. That is it. Thanks again for watching, and we'll talk to y'all probably later this week, but we don't have anything planned quite yet. See you guys later sometime.